This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. You're listening to episode 180. Not in front of the kids. Of the in-between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Okay, so today we're going to be answering the question that has probably crossed every parent's mind, especially if you've grown up in a home that where you've heard your parents constantly fighting or on the flip side where you never heard your parents fight. Here's the question. Is it okay to fight in front of the kids? Mm, Good question. Well, the answer we're going to share comes with a few amendments, like where you should be reading the fine print. So... Are you ready for the answer? (laughs) Yes! It is okay to argue in front of the kids. And I'm sure people are like, whoo! And then I'm going to say some of the time. These are the amendments. Yes. This is the fine print. (laughs) It's okay to argue in front of the kids some of the time. Notice how we didn't say all of the time. In fact... Arguing in front of the kids sometimes can actually be good for them, which we'll unpack a little later. But, again, read the fine print. The kind of argument you're having with your spouse and how you communicate your thoughts and feelings makes a huge difference. You know, I remember hearing one story from a friend who never saw her parents fight. Like she didn't even hear them arguing in their bedroom with the door shut. Hmm. She honestly thought her parents never fought and were perfect. So when she got married and had arguments with her spouse in the beginning, which is very natural, very normal, But because she didn't see it, she believed they were headed for divorce because fighting was never seen, heard, or modeled in her home. Yeah. Wow. Didn't think about that. eh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The generational effect of that. So yes, maybe our kids do need to see that married people fight. But if the arguments you're having with your spouse happen often or they're hostile, physical, aggressive, include the silent treatment, Mm. insults, there's criticism, there's contempt. If the arguments you're having with your spouse include any of those listed things, then these arguments can definitely be harmful to kids. Children who are exposed to this type of conflict often become anxious, distressed, sad, angry, or depressed. These feelings will result in sleep disturbances, poor performance at school, and can lead to difficulty focusing. In the long term, these kids may actually then become unable to manage conflict and form healthy adult relationships. So while these types of arguments should not be happening in front of our kids, more than that, these types of conflicts are a sign that your relationship needs help. We can't compartmentalize our lives and think we can fight behind closed doors where we think our kids can't hear us and then come out of our room after the fight and pretend everything is okay. Children are incredibly intuitive. Mm -hmm. They can sense when you're ignoring each other, being snippy at one another, or just being downright mean. 
And while we don't have the time to unpack how we can learn to fight well and in a healthy way, we do have some amazing episodes that will give you the tools to do just that. You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 180 to grab these links. Mm-hmm. Well, whether we like it or not, our children are observing us. And they learn to manage conflict by looking at and observing how the adults in their life manage disagreements and strong emotions. So if you're having a disagreement and you're not hearing each other or you're yelling, screaming or stonewalling, just shutting down and giving each other the silent treatment, our kids are learning from us of what to do when they are fighting now with each other with their friends, but also in the future when they have their own adult relationship. What I love most about the Gottman approach to conflict is that the goal is not to resolve conflict, but to regulate it. We talked a little bit about it in last week's episode, but if you haven't listened to that, we want to dig a little deeper into this. So in his research, he found that only 31% of the problems we have with our spouse are solvable. So 69% of the problems we have are perpetual, Perpetual problems center on either fundamental differences in our personalities, lifestyle needs, things like that. All couples have perpetual problems. These issues can seemingly be about the exact same topics as what for another couple might be solvable or might not even be an issue. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. However, unlike a solvable problem, these are the problems that a couple will return to over and over again. So when we are approaching conflict, we may not all leave the situation with the exact outcome we wanted, but but what if we were able to leave the situation both feeling heard, both understanding each other's side, and coming to an agreement that we brainstorm together and is acceptable to both of us? Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm-hmm. Because these are the key ingredients to modeling healthy conflict for our kids. Yeah. So let's break down each aspect of healthy conflict. Number one, listening and being heard. One of the biggest challenges in approaching conflict with a spouse or with others is simply listening. Effective communication is the cornerstone of healthy relationships. And active listening, this plays a pivotal role in resolving conflicts. The challenge often lies in our ability to truly hear and understand the perspectives of others, especially during moments of disagreement. So whether it's a conflict with a spouse or any other interpersonal disagreement, the art of listening can pave the way for constructive dialogue and mutual understanding. Mm -hmm. Giving each person involved the opportunity to share their story and express their feelings is a critical step in conflict resolution. This creates an environment where both parties feel acknowledged and valued. Allowing your spouse to articulate their thoughts fosters a sense of validation and can diminish the intensity of emotions that often accompany conflicts, especially when you don't feel heard. Yeah. So a practical technique to ensure that each party feels heard and understood is active listening followed by summarization or paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this involves attentively, attentively focusing on the speaker, absorbing the content of their message, and then providing a concise reflection of what was shared. 
Yeah, if that sounds like, whoa, that is, I can't remember all of that, then literally have a conversation of like, hey, I really want to, I listen to this podcast and they're talking about absorbing the content and providing a concise reflection and really focusing, but I have a trouble remembering everything you've said. Not that you're not important, but I really want to take the time to understand and be able to summarize it. So can I take a few notes? Like I'm going to grab my pen and paper. I'm going to grab the notes thing on my phone. And um, as you're speaking, I'm going to make a few notes. Now saying that this is not an excuse for you to dive deep into just writing or doodling and being not making eye contact. You still need to have those nonverbal communication skills that that communicate your listening. So what does that mean? Sometimes that means take a break from writing things down. Look your spouse in the eye. Say, mm-hmm. Like having those nonverbal cues. Mm. Ah, okay. And body language of turning towards your spouse, not being all like putting your phone in front of your face and typing of, yeah, just be aware of what your body is communicating yeah, to. That's right. That's right. So now this not only demonstrates genuine interest when you actively listen and then summarize and paraphrase after that, but it also clarifies any potential misunderstandings. So by summarizing or paraphrasing, you can actually confirm your understanding of that person's perspective, your spouse's perspective, reinforcing the idea that their feelings and thoughts were heard, valid, and are recognized. Yeah, so let's say your spouse is talking and then they're finished. You can look at your paper and be like, hmm, okay, so what I hear you saying and go on and then you can ask, is that right? And your spouse can either say, yeah, actually, that is. Yeah, thanks. Or, well, no, what I really was trying to say is this. And then you're taking notes about that. And then you can ask for clarification as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's give you an example of this. So at one point, a few years ago, I was considering ending this podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The background behind that is Daniel was working full time. It was during the pandemic and he was spending time on writing his book. So a lot of the podcast production and editing had fallen on me, which I had agreed to. So this wasn't like a, you know, pull the wool over your eyes or anything. Mm. But this agreement was no longer working for me as I had taken on homeschooling the kids full time. So it just felt too overwhelming for me. It was too much. And I told Daniel, but at the same time, Daniel understandably could not take on anymore so in my brain not having really talked to him i had thought the logical next step to do is just to stop the podcast i told daniel i don't think we should do the podcast anymore and he did not agree with me (laughs) he didn't want to so we were at a stalemate Mm -hmm. perpetual problem we had brought this issue up to our counselor because we literally were at a stalemate i didn't want to he like i want to stop it he didn't want to what are we supposed to do and she helped us talk to one another about the issues surrounding the podcast but also the deeper ones like where we both felt unsupported in our endeavors Now, one of the exercises we were to do together was one person talk for 10 minutes while the other person listened and summarized. Which is actually really hard. Yes. (laughs) When you're not used to it. Exactly. Yeah. Like we actually literally, she said, put on a timer. So we, I remember we were sitting in a coffee shop and we had this paper and we had time and I was like, but what do you mean? No, that's not, no, that's not how it goes. And I became so defensive. Yeah. (laughs) 
which did not help. And you graciously kept reminding me, babe, it's still my 10 minutes. <laughs> and you're like, what? Hey, it went so both long. ways. It yeah. went, it was, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> it to is. do that. Yeah. Very, very true. So we're not saying this is easy. No, no. But from that first experience to where we are now, thankfully, we've grown um, a little and a little and a little bit each time. So if you're able to shift your mindset from defending or winning the argument to one of curiosity and wanting to genuinely understand where your spouse is coming from, trust us, it does get easier. Yeah. So the first aspect of healthy conflict is listening and being heard. The second one is empathy and perspective taking. Now, acknowledging another person's feelings or experiences with empathy not only provides valuable insights into their perspective, but it also establishes a profound connection that is essential for navigating conflict successfully. So the ability to empathize, it really is a powerful tool in fostering understanding, promoting emotional well-being, and building stronger relationships. In the context of conflict resolution, what empathy does is it acts as a bridge between individuals, allowing them to travel the emotional landscape together. So by actively listening and visualizing your spouse's experience, what you're doing is you're offering a profound sense of validation and understanding to your spouse. This act of empathy contributes to a calming effect which then creates a space where both of you can engage in a more open and cooperative dialogue. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of brain science here. What we're doing as we're providing a sense of validation and understanding for our spouse, we're uh, empathizing is we're helping each other stay in our prefrontal cortex. Mm. Prefrontal cortex is the place where we can really make good decisions. We can use reason and, and same thing with empathy. We're in tune with with our emotions. Uh, if we are criticizing our spouse, if we're attacking them, we're going to go, we're sending them into their limbic brain uh, system, which is that fight, flight, freeze, fawn, that kind of stuff where mm-hmm. our bodies are saying, ah, we're in danger, we're in danger. And it's really hard to have a conversation like that that will actually be empathetic and end in a way that both of you probably desire. Yeah. So the link between empathy, calmness, and connection is particularly significant. When your spouse and when yourself feels heard and understood, a sense of calmness prevails because our brains are telling our bodies we are okay. When you feel calm and connected, you have greater access to your prefrontal cortex, like we were saying. Access to the prefrontal cortex enables us to approach conflicts with a clearer mindset, making it easier to find innovative solutions and compromises. Empathy in its simplest form can be conveyed through statements that acknowledge and reflect the other person's emotions. So, for example, saying, huh, you sound frustrated that, and going on filling that blank, Mm -hmm. demonstrates a genuine attempt to understand and connect with your spouse's feelings. This not only validates their experience, but also reinforces the idea that their emotions are real acknowledged and respected by you. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of the Dead Sea Squirrels. 
Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Now, this is really hard to do. Uh, it's hard for me. It's hard, I think, for many guys as well and or slash individuals that mm-hmm. are just solution focused yeah. or want to try to fix something. So let's say someone is frustrated that the car isn't shifting gears well. Mm-hmm. Right. And just for example, you're frustrated. Right. So if, if you hear your spouse saying, oh, I hate this car. It's so annoying. It, it doesn't it doesn't shift smooth. I always feel this jerk in the car when I'm going from one gear mm-hmm. to another. Then it's easy in that situation to just be like, OK, so let me go take the car in. Mm-hmm. Let me go. Oh, I know why. It's because you're doing this or, or you're not doing that. Or I thought we talked about. Right. If you go straight to solution. What you're doing is you are you're not acknowledging their emotions. You're not expressing empathy. So before you do that, and I got to say, I'm sharing this, but I'm not perfect at this. So (laughs) this is this is as much for me as it is for everyone else. No, no, it's not. No. In those situations, try to be like, oh, you sound frustrated that Mm. the car is jerky. Mm. Right. Like just saying that. Trying just just acknowledging and expressing that empathy is huge. It's huge to understanding to under to to allowing the other person to feel understood and mm-hmm. to feel heard. And then after you talk about that, then you can get to what you really want to get to. Okay, yes. so let me take it in, or let me do this. Let me do that. Right. Well, and ask for permission, right? Yes. Because your yeah, spouse yeah. may not want. I mean, I'm sure everybody wants a smooth driving car, but they might just want you to be able to sit a little bit in their frustration. So, you, Daniel, you were talking about um, you're seeing that most guys are solution focused. So mm-hmm. let me give you a little bit of this. Okay. <laughs> there is a, a modality called solutions focused therapy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is a couple of things, tools that you can use guys, but not everybody. Like, I mean, girls can, um, women, you can be in, in doing this as well. So let's take that example of the, uh, car that's yeah. causing frustration for your spouse. So if you're like, I don't really know what to ask, whatever you can say, Hey, um, on a scale of one to 10, where is your frustration level with this car? Mm. 10 being like, this is um, like the world is ending. And one being like, meh, it's, it's not frustrating at all. Where are you on that scale? So then you can actually have a tangible yeah, way of like, you know, um, yeah, I'm saying I'm really frustrated. It's a four. You're like, uh, okay. Or being like, it's a 10. Then you can really have sort of this inner world of understanding of, okay, so this is like, this is immediate. Yeah. So another question you could ask is, hey, um, if you had like a magic wand and we could fix this situation for you that you would no longer be frustrated, what would that look like? Hmm. So to some, maybe it means like, I need a brand new car. Mm-hmm. To others, it could be like, I um, I just, I don't have time to take it into the mechanic. Yeah. I just need someone oh, to do, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, so then you can actually, you are seeing 
um, you are validating, you are you are uh, empathizing with your spouse. And also for those who just feel like they really need to fix something because maybe they're not comfortable with the landscape of emotions, these couple tools may help continue to foster that relationship. Yeah, and you're reflecting back, you're, you're empowering your mm-hmm. spouse in that too. You're not taking over what right. needs to be solved because they may not want to give that to you. Exactly. Too, or may stir up other things too. Yeah, so I like that true. on a scale of one to 10. And magic wand. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like that, Christina. Okay, so like any skill, empathy can be honed. You can get better at this. You can't just, you know, don't just say, well, I suck at empathy or I'm never going to be as good as you. No, you can learn. You can grow like any skill. Just remember that these sorts of responses, like regularly trying to be empathetic in your everyday interactions, just trying to do that will inevitably and eventually create a habitual pattern that then as you do it more and more and more and it becomes that habit, it can be uh, one of those tools that are in your belt where just naturally you can go to that. You can ask that one to 10 question. You can go there because you've practiced, you've learned. Mm -hmm. So the more you engage with this, essentially, the more natural and effortless it becomes, which will then enhance your ability to respond empathetically, even in challenging situations. Very true. I can think of times, Daniel, where I feel completely overwhelmed and you don't really know what to do either. You are so invested into the same situation that you're kind of at a loss as well. And so I can't tell you how much it meant to me to be like, babe, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Can we pray? Can we pray together? Can I pray for you? Mm. And even that of um, just communicating to me that your love for me, but also your trust in God means the world to me. So that's another thing that uh, perhaps if you and your spouse are are, um, believers and are comfortable doing that, that that would be another amazing way that we can turn our eyes to one another but also onto god yeah so let's now move to the third aspect of healthy conflict number one is listening and being heard number two is empathy and perspective taking and number three it's collaboration the process of conflict resolution includes collaboration a collaborative effort where both parties come together with a shared willingness to find solutions, where you both want to do this, where you're not forcing it on the other person, but you're both coming to the table with this. The willingness to brainstorm collectively is it's, it's a really important step to reaching resolutions that are mutually accept- acceptable, that you both agree with, and that are sustainable in the long term. So this collaborative aspect of brainstorming where you're doing this together, not only does it lead to more thoughtful solutions, but it does, it actually enhances the likelihood that both of you are going to be invested in and accept that solution and that decision to move forward. Yeah, exactly. So let's use that example, Daniel, of um, uh, wanting to stop the podcast. So we took our uh, counselor's advice. We talked about it. We understood the deeper things that were happening in each other's lives. And so we came to the agreement 
and the compromise that we would, yes, we would continue the podcast, but we would shift things. Yes. So instead of doing it every week for 52 weeks in a year, we decided what if we were to change it to releasing every other week? Yeah, that's right. That kind of brought the level of work to a manageable level. But also we decided why don't we do seasons Mm -hmm. where we would take a break in December and in the summer to reset, recoup, but also enjoy time with our family. And uh, so we did not stop it. We just changed it. And we were both happy with the results. Yeah, that's right. And then when you started your master's in counseling Mm -hmm. psychology, we had another conversation about that, where at that point, I was done my book or almost finished my book. Mm -hmm. So then I was able to take on more. And we were able to adjust and shift that in and through collaboration and brainstorming together. Exactly. So when we were brainstorming, I really don't think we would have come to an agreement if we were uh, focused on just ourselves Mm -hmm. and we were focused on the future and the past and we were frustrated, angry, hurt, so on and so forth. So effective brainstorming requires an environment where both individuals are calm, they're focused, they're present, they're in the here and now. When you both approach the table with a sense of composure, it helps open communication. Whereas if you come with fists up trying to fight to get your way, you both come with a posture of defensiveness and that leads to trying to get your way. Calmness is essential for fostering a constructive atmosphere, allowing for the exploration of various perspectives and potential solutions without the involvement of heightened emotions. Yeah. So when you brainstorm together, when you collaborate, not only does this address the specific conflict at hand, but it also provides an opportunity for teamwork and for cooperation. Mm -hmm. So this collaborative process is, you know, it's especially important in the context of familial relationships, like children seeing their parents engaging in this, engaging in productive brainstorming. What they're going to do is they're going to learn valuable lessons. They're going to see you do this. They're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to kind of Uh, observe and internalize what they see happening. They're like, oh, okay, so conflict resolution looks like that. Oh, conflict resolution involves both sides coming up with ideas, Mm -hmm. not one person forcing an idea or saying you have to do it this way. Yeah, exactly. So that importance of working together, kids see that. And through this collaborative process, through this collaborative exploration, children not only just see the the whole process of how they get to it, but then they see the connection between that and the end result. Mm-hmm. So this whole transparency and in, in seeing your allowing your kids to see this sort of healthy conflict or a non-toxic sort of conflict happen mm-hmm. in front of them. Uh, that sort of transparency is incredibly educational for your kids. And it'll show them that conflicts are a natural part of relationships. And that what matters most is how the conflict is navigated, how the conflict is then resolved. That is not just about the end, but it's mm-hmm. about the process as well. And when children see this, 
and they see the disagreements that happen. They see the conflict that happens. And then they see also that, hey, you can get through this and that your relationship can stay intact. Hey, there's actually more kissing and more hugging at the mm-hmm. end of this, right? There's that, that there's health in and through this. Man, man, this sends an incredibly powerful message to your kids about the resilience of relationships, the importance of conflict in that and the commitment to to work it out and to have that healthy family dynamic. Mm-hmm, exactly. So you may be listening to this podcast and mean like, you know, we don't fight well. We, uh, I don't feel comfortable fighting in front of our kids because there's lots of criticism. There's name calling. There's um, just heightened emotions. And so this is not for me. Well, What we want to say to you is we are all in progress, okay? Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's a good idea not to be fighting in front of your kids if all of these things are happening. Let's say you're you're at the dinner table, everybody's cleaning up, you're starting to have a heated argument with your spouse, but your kids are still there. What you can say, communicate, okay? I know you're thinking in your head, but it's important to say out loud to your kids, hey, uh, mommy and daddy are having a heated argument. We're going to go into our room and work it out. And when, uh, and then we'll be back, okay? So let's say your heat, that's going on. What needs to happen? You're figuring it out in your room, doing all that, and you've resolved it. Come back out, And I know if your kids are all over the place, call a family meeting and just say, hey, uh, we are sorry that you um, maybe felt those feelings of I don't know what's going on with mommy and daddy. And we just want to let you know that we did. We needed some time alone to work it out. And now that we are okay, we just want to let you know that mommy and daddy love each other. We're okay. We're not perfect. We're working it out. But we just wanted to let you know that. And we're sorry for... You know, if you need to apologize for raising our voices, for the ways that you maybe heard us calling each other, not nice names, we are working on our marriage. We haven't been the greatest at communicating with one another nicely, but we are working on it. So thank you for being patient with us. There you go. Okay. So I know we're not perfect. I know we're going to fight in the ways that um, that you have. There are chances Oh, ample, ample opportunities to repair your relationship with each other and also with your children. When you not when you are not explicit with what's happening, your children are going to create their own narratives about what's happening in your relationship and about what's happening in your family. And I can't tell you time and time again what the kids are thinking, but it's actually not the reality. And it's almost like, ah, oh, I wish you had told me that because I could have corrected that or I could have spoken into that. Your kids are probably not going to come to you and just say, hey, mom and dad, when you were fighting I felt really scared I felt abandoned I felt no right I mean maybe 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 some kids maybe but not all kids (laughs) and so if you can create the environment where it is safe to be hey um uh let's talk about what's just happened can we process this together and we're sorry for the ways that you felt a whole array of feelings yeah right it's gonna be huge Mm -hmm. so is it okay to fight in front of your kids Yes. But when you do, listen and be heard. Mm-hmm. Be empathetic, understand one another's perspective, and collaborate on your solutions. It is possible to do healthy conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so, important. It is super important for your kids and their growth. 
Thank you so much for listening into our podcast today. You can go and grab the show notes and these notes. If maybe you were working out or you're driving or you're on the move and you want to remember the points, you can go to inbetween.org slash episode 180. What you'll also find there, and this is on the show notes of all of our episodes, discussion questions. You'll find discussion questions where you can be like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Number one, number two. I want to talk about that with my spouse. Well, we provide discussion questions for you to do that, to get that conversation going on your next date night. So you can find that at inbetween.org slash episode 180. And if you want to share this with your spouse, a friend, someone else that came to mind, I would encourage you to do that by either hitting the share button on your favorite podcasting app or texting them the link inbetween.org slash episode 180. Thanks again for listening in and we'll catch you next time.